0: Lord, we praise your name today as we think about things to come, as we think about all of the things, Lord, that you have done for us, all that you are to us, Lord, and we want to focus on that tonight, to set our eyes on you, to fix our gaze on you. So I pray that you would be pleased with the worship that we offer to you tonight as we offer ourselves and devote this time to you. Thank you we love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. And amen. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hey, it's great to see you tonight. I am so glad that you're here. Tonight is a special night. Uh, I often say that Ash Wednesday, a lot of us, uh, if you grew up Baptist, tell me you grew up Baptist. Anybody in the house? Yeah. Uh, you go, Ash Wednesday, what is up with that? Okay, that's is that like this, like a Catholic thing? What is going? Any Catholics? Anybody grow up Catholic? Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, and and tonight we're going to talk about what is this night all about. I like to say that we've baptized it, um, and it serves as a portal into which we enter into this season of sacrifice, the season of restraint. It's Easter season, so we welcome the whole church family, if you will, or all of us from across the the life of our church. We have our in Espanol group with us tonight. We have folks who are from all ages, and we're so glad that you're here. Our students are actually doing the same material I'm teaching tonight. They're going to practice uh, this as well in their groups and crew tonight in homes across North Dallas. But uh, you, made, you made it here, and I'm so glad. Grateful for Edward Retta, who's interpreting, actually translating for me right now, perhaps doing some interpreting along the way <laughs> as we do some teaching tonight. So tonight is, I've said, more teaching than preaching Uh, And I hope that uh, you'll be challenged in what I have to share because I want us to really think about this Easter season. And my prayer has been that and will be that it will be the greatest Easter season you've ever known. Uh, Some years ago, I read a book by Dr. Richard Swenson. Uh, It's called Margin, subtitled, Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives. Anybody? Tonight, we're going to talk about margin. We're going to talk about space. We're going to talk about desires. Margin is the space between our limits as human beings and the expectations placed on us by society, by ourselves, and even technological progress, if you want to call it progress, right? Dr. Swenson describes margin as the space between our load and our limits, between our load and our limits. Lack of margin has us focusing on the immediate cause, causes, uh, and it causes us to neglect spiritual, social, and emotional health. He writes this. Here's, here's what he says. Our wallets will, grow, will get fatter, our houses bigger, our cars faster, and our brains smarter. Yet, when we neglect the most important priorities our reward will fittingly be all the unhappiness money can buy. We have more things per person than any other nation in history. Closets are full for many of us. Storage space is used up. I won't ask anybody to raise their hand if you have storage space uh, somewhere else other than your home. And, And cars can't fit into our garages. Having first imprisoned us with debt, Possessions then take over our houses and occupy our time. This begins to sound like an invasion, he writes. Everything I own owns me. Why would I want more? And yet we do. We live in this society, we've said our culture, the the kind of spiritual mantra in our culture, the gospel, the secular gospel is you do you. You do you, and therefore, we define ourselves by what we do, right? And because time can't increase, but our activities do, we're left with no margin. Many of us grew up, particularly uh, younger people among us, grew up um, believing and being told that you can do anything. Uh, How many of you saw that film? Uh, It's an animated film, Zootopia. Anybody see Zootopia? There's a song, is it Shakira? Drive, it's uh, Try Everything is the song. This is great instruction for children. Just try everything. Just do everything. Try everything. You can be anything and everything. And yes, we encourage our children. We affirm one another. You be you. All that God has created you to do. But when you live in a culture that says you can do everything, and then you realize that you cannot, that brings all kinds of shame, even depression, anxiety. Add to that social media, and the comparison of all things in our world today. And we are left to be now the most stressed out generation that has ever lived. So all of our technology and all of our desire to do everything and to try everything and to be everything has actually worked against us. So we now suffer from what psychologists call hurry sickness. We are the most medicated people. On the planet, drugs, work, sex, porn, food, and a million diversions seeking to ease our mind and, as, and medicate our pain. And we end up without limitations, no margin, we're overworked, we're distracted, we're tired, and in a constant state of pathological busyness. Welcome to church. Is there hope and is there good news in the midst of all this? And I am so thrilled to tell you that there is good news. And you've already heard a bit of it, even in our singing and in that little passage that Han read earlier. Jesus calls us to a place of rest. Jesus calls us to soulful rest. I mean, like gospel, peace and rest. See, hurry is having too much to do. Not having a lot to do. A lot to do can be very healthy. But having too much to do is what is what limits our margin and, and, it, and it doesn't allow us to bring attention and focus to the people that God has placed right in front of us. I can say it this way Jesus was often busy, but he was never in a hurry. And what I'm seeking to do in my life, so I'm, I'm a little ahead of, uh, I'd like to think, a little ahead of the church family in In preparation and practicing the way of Jesus, because I need desperately, I need margin in my life. I literally have, um, Nora, my assistant, puts uh, once a month, there's a Thursday, we call it white space. It's a white space, white day on my calendar. And we often almost laugh about how it gets filled up with other things, right? But it's a time for me to, to get ahead on preaching and praying and thinking ahead on what's coming. Some of us need to practice putting some white space in our calendars and in, in our days. Jesus practiced uh, this, this idea of space and, and, and time so that he could focus on whatever the Father put in front of him. Augustine, the, the uber-influential North African theologian, he describes sin as love out of order. We've talked about that a bit, uh, disordered love. Of course, love is not bad, but love out of order can get real bad and can create the chaos, right? And so tonight I wanna talk about and for you to think about desires. Uh, Desire, you woke up with desires this morning. You got up and you desired something to eat. You were hungry. Uh, you desire something to drink. You desired to get to work so you can make some money today. Some of you desired to get to school so they wouldn't fail a class. Or you desired to do certain things or look a certain way to try to gain the approval of others. You tried to, to, to get out of bed, to get going. And maybe for some of us, even tonight, getting here was hard. But you had a desire for varied reasons. Desires drive everything in life. And, and yet, our desires are also what gets us into trouble. Thomas Aquinas uh, was the great Italian theologian. He was the Catholic father theologian of all, I think, in so many ways. Um, And he was asked, what would a man need to satisfy his desires? And his answer was everything. Everything. Because human desires are infinite. Your desires are infinite. And because only God is infinite, he alone can satisfy your soul. A more recent theologian of another generation put it this way. I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> and, and, and yet it was, it was Augustine again who famously wrote, Our souls are restless until we find rest in thee. All of our desires and everything that we want. I want us to, to talk about, think about bringing our desires under the rule and reign of Jesus. So is there hope? Are there practices? Is there something I can do to really bring my desires into a place where I can can practice reflection, restraint, resistance, and even repentance? Because all of the Christian life, Martin Luther said, is repentance. It was the first of the 95 Theses. The whole of Christian life, all of the life, Of the believer is constant state of confession, repentance, keeping a short list, a no-tolerance rule when it comes to sin. Is there a way to live in him? The good news is, yes, there is. And I'm believing, I'm probably preaching to the proverbial choir, in fact, literally to some in the choir tonight. Um, And I am so glad that you're here because I think that you're here because you want to truly hear from God. You want to enter into a place and a season where you're walking with him and your soul matters to God and it matters to me as your pastor. I want us to be a people that seek him and run hard after him. And so Jesus has given us practices to follow. And so throughout this season, as we enter into the Easter season, move towards Resurrection Sunday, we're going to be talking about the sub- subversive practices of Jesus. Subversive really meaning this, this kind of um, uh, kind of challenging the, the process, raging against the system. Uh, subversive means really to, to uh, go against the established system of our lives and of the way that we live, the air we breathe in the modern West. It's going against the way that we constantly have lived our lives. You know that Einstein's um, definition of insanity is that, you know it, right? To keep doing the same thing over and over again, believing you're going to get different results. And I'm challenging you tonight to enter into different patterns in your days and in your, in your weeks ahead. And they might establish for you over the next 40 days new patterns in your life that will sustain you and help bring spiritual renewal and revival into your life. I'm praying for spiritual renewal in my life. I'm praying for renewal in our lives corporately and for revival across our church that can impact our communities in the world. So in order to live like Jesus means that we need to live a life that comprehensively looks like him. And so throughout the season, we're going to be practicing the way of Jesus, okay? So that's the series we're, we're, we're leaning into. It's going to start this Sunday because the idea is this. Friends, think about this. I can't overestimate this or, or overstate this. To be a Christian, if you've received the grace of Christ, now we are to live, again, under his reign and rule. It's what, is what Paul talked about, living in him, remaining in him, so we're covered in His grace, totally forgiven, fully accepted by God. We now live in Him. But now as believers, you hear me talk a lot about you know Jesus, not just our example. He's our substitute, and it all starts there. But He is our example. And so to be a Christian is to live a life that looks like Him. So watch this. In the first century, everybody would have understood this. When, when a rabbi would come and call what was called a Talmud, he would call a Talmud, which was an apprentice of Jesus. A disciple would follow after the rabbi in a group called a Talmudin. A Talmudin was a group of disciples who would follow the rabbi. They would learn his teaching. They would learn his yoke, which was his set of teachings. Not only would they learn his teaching, but they would learn his way. They would spend 24 hours a day with the rabbi. It was said that they would follow in the dust of their rabbi. Follow his footsteps. If he reached down, grabbed, grabbed a stick of grass or something, put it in his mouth, they, they all would do it. Whatever the rabbi would do, they would follow him and do what he would do. And listen, as believers, don't miss this. Jesus is our rabbi. It's possible with all of our teaching, all of our video teachings, our favorite podcast, our favorite preachers that may or may not be me, people that we listen to and watch, all the apps, all the things that we run to, all the studies that we do, it's possible. How about this? Even our favorite Connect Group teachers, it's possible to remove Jesus as the rabbi in our Christian lives. My question for you tonight is this. Are you following Jesus? I mean, really following him. Is he your rabbi? Is he the one you're pursuing? Even tonight. I'm I'm glad Jeff's been, man, he's studying up on this. Jeff is reading the Bible, evidently. I mean, Jeff really wants to pursue Jesus. This is getting me inspired. I'm getting kind of hyped. Along with him, are you following him? Not vicariously through your pastor or through someone else. Jesus is our rabbi. He's the one we're pursuing. And so in order to do that, to live the Christian life, we want to live just like him. And so we follow the patterns, the practices of his life. And tonight I'm going to focus on one in particular that he talked about a lot, but I want to show you where we're going. This is where all this is heading. On March 1st, that'd be this Sunday, we're going to look at submission. We're going to look at solitude, and, which is really solitude and silence. Uh, Anybody needs silence in their lives. Anybody need to unplug, right? Get rid of the phones and all those good things. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about confession, simplicity, service on on April 5th. That's Palm Sunday. Uh, We're going to talk about, and in fact, on Palm Sunday, uh, we're going to have the Messiah. It's going to be over in the sanctuary. And then that afternoon... Um, the Messiah, which is basically music and scripture. I mean, that's all it is, right, Stephen? I mean, it's, it's going to be incredible. We have a special service here and in the gym. It's going to be an amazing time. Uh, that week, Holy Week, we're going to have the journey to the cross, um, which is downstairs in Lower Level Collins. We started last year, and then we have a silent Lord's Supper on Good Friday. But all the while... We're going to be walking together in our connect group, same material. We're going to have a devotional guide that's going to help you every day. I'm going to give you a a reminder, prompt on Mondays to what the the particular discipline is that we're going to practice together. Okay? So, again, let's share this with our church family. Share it with others. And let's all jump in. Okay? So, tonight, here's what I want to do. I want to use this time uh, to focus in on the next 40 days. Now, tonight, I won't go into great detail here, but tonight, of course, is Ash Wednesday. Uh, and you may wonder, what is the deal with Ash Wednesday? And we, we enter into the Lenten season. Some of you don't know, Lenten just means spring. Um, it's Langton. It's a word that means spring. It comes from the Germanic word that means long days. Because we're moving towards right the, the, the spring equinox. Equinox, equal night is a Germanic word. Equal night and equal day. And that happens to be on March the nineteenth this year. Praise be to God. Spring is coming. Amen. Um, I, I the older I get, I think it is. I can't handle winter. I'm sorry. Um, I get moved to Alaska or somewhere. You know, like where it's I don't know daytime. That might make me crazy too. Daytime all day. But but Easter literally means dawn. It means it means toward the east because that's where you look for the equal. I mean the the equinox, the spring, the vernal spring equinox, and that's where you look for the sun that's going to rise exactly in the east and set exactly in the west when we, when we experience the equinox. I like to call Easter Resurrection Sunday because that's what it is, right? We talk about Easter, and some of this has some, you know, people know, you know this, has some pagan roots along the way. But why the 40 days? 40 days is not arbitrary. 40 days is actually throughout Scripture. We see Moses. You think of Elijah. You think of Jesus. In the wilderness, prior to his ministry, he's fasting for 40 days, and then he's tempted by the evil one. He's, he's, after he's risen, he is, until the ascension, 40 days. So the point is, 40 days helps us enter into the rhythm, the pattern of God, and enter into kind of this, this, um, this stream of God's action in history. And so each year, if you will, it's always a good day to follow Jesus, but we're going to enter into 40 days of focus. And I want you to, I'm going to challenge you to do what I'm doing for all of us. Each, here it is, each 40 day or 40 year period in the biblical accounts foreshadows something new. And God wants to do a new thing in your life. And it can happen as you lay your life before him. Ash Wednesday gets its name, derives its name from the the palm branches that are burned, the former Palm Sunday, the year before. And so they take the ashes because to remind us twofold, one of our mortality. And so in, in Genesis three nineteen, it says, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. It's time to slow down. And remember that you're not here forever. Kind of right sizes us before God. But there's another reason, the Easter season is the time to turn away from sin, embrace our weakness, and draw near to Jesus. Here's the thing. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And then he moves straight from that teaching. And then he says, when you fast, fast like this. Now, I grew up, I think, in a church that kind of highlighted the prayer part. And I think we blacked out the fasting piece. <laughs> Let me just jump. I don't know if I ever heard any teaching on that growing up. And yet, when I look at the scriptures, I see... During the the Easter or or the Passion Week, everything slows down. It doesn't speed up. And so we're going to slow down as a church family. We're going to walk with Jesus to the cross. And some of you might be thinking, well, I've never fasted before in my life. That sounds kind of cultic. Sounds weird. Sounds ancient, archaic. No, you actually have fasted. You did last night for about eight hours, perhaps. You woke up and you broke fast. And when we break fast, it's because we haven't eaten in a while, right? And and, and the, the practice of fasting until recently was central to Christians' lives. The Hebrews fasted two times a week. They would fast on Mondays and Thursdays. Christians changed it to Wednesdays and Fridays. It was arguably the most important of all the spiritual disciplines in a Christian's life. Somehow we lost it. And again, for a lot of us then, it seems really strange. And so here's my working definition for us all. Fasting is the act of the will through which the follower of Jesus puts forth spiritual control over the flesh through sacrifice, i.e. not eating, or some other form of self-denial, with a view to a more personal and powerful experience with God in prayer. So it's giving up, but it's much more about receiving. Look at this. The Easter season offers a pathway of restraint, resistance, and renewal. And I want to challenge us to fast. Let's do this. I want you to jump to, uh, I'm tracking with the guys that are helping me here um, on the screen. I want to jump to benefits of fasting. I'm going to talk about this. And I want you now to be thinking about what you might, okay, you came here tonight, go, I don't know what you're talking about, but hang with me. Because I want us all to commit to some form of fasting over these next 40 days. Um, Because this is a practice that will put you in position to place your desires under the rule and reign of Christ, okay? Benefits of fasting. When you fast, it positions us to experience God. It reveals the things that control us. In fact, if you don't think, for instance, I'm going to offer this, little media fast, all right? Some of you need to fast from your phones and your tablets. If you don't think they're controlling your life, just set them in another room or for a day, don't touch it. If you don't think that you're tied to your computer and all of those kinds of things, or some noise that you've got to have. If you don't think you're connected to to a certain news channel or something you must read every day or some patterns that you've fallen into, oh, I could get rid of that. Okay, then do that and watch and see what happens. And in those moments of hunger pangs or, or, ah, I've got to have that. I must have this. You say, no, 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 no. No, God is enough for me. Jesus, you are enough for me. And we enter into prayer and we praise him. How about this? If you don't eat a meal, what can you do for that hour? You can pray and seek his face. So it changes our desires. It challenges the desires of the flesh. It sets us free from self to worship God alone. So here's some types of fasts that you can enter into. There's a total fast. Now you need to be careful with this one. Um, this one is challenging. If you take medications or something, of course you can't do, do this, but you can have a water only fast. This one, many of us can do more than, you know, and longer than you think. Uh, this is something that I've practiced uh, through the years. It's not, it's not juices. It's water. It's not milkshakes. Okay. not shake shack, um, it's water. That'd be an awesome fast, by the way. Um, that could be on Sunday. That's the day of celebration. You, You could do that. Um, liquid only fasts. You could do juices or something like that. You could eliminate certain foods. You've seen maybe the Daniel fast, certain, certain, no desserts, no caffeine. Now, don't miss this. Fasting is not a diet. That's not the point. Now, it could help in that regard, but Jesus never talked about a restricted diet or some kind of cleanse, you know, through a season or something. He didn't talk about that. What he did talk about was fasting as a way of saying, in fact, he said it himself, my food. How about that? is to do the will of my Father. In fasting, we say the sustenance of God himself is going to fill me up. And when I experience pangs of hunger or whatever it might be, that thing I want to run to, I remember, Jesus, you're enough for me. And it is a powerful experience. Screen fast, media fast, I've mentioned. No television, no social media. How about this? For some of you, this will change your life. Don't look at your phone until you have looked at the Word of God and you've prayed before you start your day. 80% 80% of us, I'm told, look at our phone within 15 minutes, and the younger you get, our young people, younger adults here, look at their phone the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning. And friends, that will distract you in a moment and set you on to comparison and, and, and will drive you to all kinds of thoughts that will create a distraction. Throughout the day. And then finally, there's multiple possibilities. Be creative, but sacrifice. Don't give to God something that doesn't cost you anything. And so I want to encourage you, think about how are you gonna fast. In summary, fasting is a way to align our disordered desires to the way of Jesus. Jesus said, When you fast, fast like this and this. And I love this. He also knew we wouldn't fast real well. And so he gives us some teaching. But all of it is a function of giving our desires over to him and to allow him to be Lord of our lives. So what are you going to do? What might you do? And I want, I want you to enter into prayer. Even tonight, we're going to think about how and what might I fast from. But be aware, it's going to take prayer because you're picking a fight with the flesh. Richard Foster said it this way, it reveals the things that control us. How much food pleasure, how much you know, body image or control we seek to have in certain areas of our lives. We can release those things. It's saying no. That's what self-control is. Self-discipline is saying yes. To bring our desires into the reign and rule of Jesus. And so what I want to do is say this together. And then we got a brief moment of prayer, and, and uh, then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. I want you to reflect with me, Galatians two twenty. It says this. Let's all say this together. It's centered on what this life is all about. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Okay, so I ask you, what will you release? What you will you give to him? I want you to take a-